We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. Looking fly. Just came from the T-Mobile arena. Looking good today. Got the beard done nice and fresh. Big fight weekend here in Vegas. We have two fights. We have like a little appetizer of a fight. Sinesa Estrada fighting at the Palms on Friday night. And defending her titles there, that should be really dope. She packs a wallop for someone who's 105 pounds. And then we have, of course, Spence versus Crawford going down sun or Sunday, Saturday night, T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas. Isa Cruz on the undercard. Nonito Donaire on the undercard. It's actually low-key a pretty good undercard good, for yeah. a fight that's this big. So should be a really, really good weekend there in, in terms of boxing. If you guys haven't listened to our MMA show, you, you might want to do that. Yeah. Uh, cause a little bit of a stir. Very on Salt Lake interwebs. City. Very <laughs> Talking Salt about City. Salt Lake City. Uh, it was story time with Kel, as people say. That was really fun. We learned something, Dre. We learned something. Yeah, about soaking. About soaking. If you don't know what it is, go listen to the episode. You'll not be disappointed. That shit was hilarious. So we started the week off great talking MMA. And then now we're in here talking boxing. This is what we've been waiting for. There's no pro wrestling show this week because it was all boxing. Yep. It's all about Spence versus Crawford. And now that we're here, we can really dive in because we were at open workouts on Tuesday. Dre, there's Urban Lloyd. Yes. We've been around Urban. This ain't that. I didn't anticipate this. This is something different. Yeah. This is like country cohabitation. Like, it's not just black folk in there. It's the type of black. Oh, yeah. Everybody at this motherfucker was country. Southern hospitality. Came out Tuesday. Either you're from Nebraska, 25% of the fans, 75% were clearly from Dallas. Yeah, it's true. Saw a woman with a gold right here, like four, four back. So when she smiled, it was just like, bling. She was like 23. Yo, One gold in her mouth. 
Yeah, man. I, I'm going to give my official Urban Loitering review next week. But the pre-Urban Loitering? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, yo, this is... I mean, we're going to talk about, like, the press conference, what happened as we're recording today. I just left there, and I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. Cam's getting into it. Families. I mean, everybody, yeah. like, the, the, there was... Both of them had Black Air Force Ones on. Gangster shit. I love that you brought that up. <laughs> oh, you <were laughs> Oh, God. Oh, I've been waiting. So, so we're at the Grand Arrivals. Oh, and for the listeners, we are going to talk about uh, Nyla Inouye killing Stephen Fulton as well. Yes. We will, yes, we will that discuss happened. that and how that plays in this week because, yes, everybody saw it. Um, yeah, that'll be a whole topic in itself. So we're at the Grand Arrivals, chilling, yeah, hanging out. Me, you, Chris, if you guys don't know Chris, she was on last show. Everybody's working. Then you tap me. Like, yo, Spence got the black Air Force. It's like, ooh, you know what that means? Yep. You take the video, take a couple photos, send my photos back to my team, my social team at ESPN. I was like, yo, this is what I want. Take this photo, do the zoom in, Black Air Force One, send it back. That was it. That's all the instructions I gave. Nobody else had to know shit. I was like, yo, Spence showed up in the Black Uptowns. New York, you guys understand. Showed up in the Black Uptown. Came through. I posted it. I was like, Spence showed up, Black Air Force Ones. If you know, you know. That was my post. It has 50,000 likes on it. Went crazy. The entire comment section is like, yo, we need to... One guy's comment specifically sticks out of my head. It's like, we need to do a better job of gatekeeping the culture. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I see more comments along the same line. Yo, ESPN is taking shit from us. Above. Okay. Then this one guy keeps going. The gatekeeping guy. Keeps going. There's a thread now. And someone who listens to the show hits him up and he's like, yo, you do know the guy who runs this page is black. This is him. And he adds me. And the guy's like, so what? All this stuff. They, so I chime in. I'm like, yo, like I'm from New York. I grew up. I grew up. I know about black Air Force Ones since I was a kid. That's like coming out in the beef and brocks, Tim's, instead of wearing the constructs. We know you on some different shit. We know it's demon time. Like, I've been doing this since a kid. This guy acted like he invented it. Then he doubles down. He says, well, I wasn't saying that you weren't black. I was just saying that you were stealing this from boxing Twitter. Yeah. I was like, word? Uh, shout out to Sean Zidell who calls me. I'm in the middle of the supermarket when all this shit's going down. He calls me and he's like, yo, you're a savage for your response. Because the guy was like, yo, you stole this from Twitter. And I was like, I was next to Andreas Hill at this presser. We didn't check Twitter. We don't no. have to check Twitter. We make these jokes all the time. I was like, I'm there. I was like, I don't know where you're tweeting this from. But me, I'm here physically. This is my original photo. Yeah. And with the Jada kiss. I'm outside. Yeah. All that. Well, okay, but you take mad shit from Twitter. 
No, yo, it's out of hand. They take the culture. And then that's when we text about it. Yeah, well, because I jumped in too and I was like, yeah, like, here's my video. Like, we were there. And my response to a lot of that is, you stupid motherfuckers need to pay attention to who the culture is, right? Like, we were there and we spotted it. And knowing how we work, like, most people don't work for a living in this sport. (laughs) So they have no idea how this, like, I ain't got time to look at Twitter and steal nothing that you got. Because we're running trying to get our own content, right? We're both brand rivals are getting out the car, yep. heading to the stage, getting that. Like, I ain't nobody looking for your tweets, bro. I'm not like, yo, where's that dude who said, I'm not doing, like, we don't got time for that. I saw Black Air Force once. It's crazy. It's like, my pops, I'm going to use my pops <laughs> for this real quick. My pops thinks everybody's father has done this at one point. Thinks they're the innovators of everything, right? Yes. So when I was a kid, my pops used to always say this, you use like strings in hip hop. Right. And I was like, yeah, okay, dad, cool. This is like in the 90s. Eventually you hear like orchestras, and my dad was like, they stole that idea from me. I was like, Pops, they never bugged your house. <laughs> it is, nobody cares. The reality is, a lot of people could have the same idea. Who executes it first? That's the name of the game. We all know about Black Air Force Ones. This was not new. Because the person that talked about it said that you stole it. Who did you steal it from? Because <laughs> Black Air Force Ones have been thinking about in this culture forever. Yep. We just happened to spot them. And then we were in position to act on it. Ain't nobody checking for y'all and y'all little tweets. Like, you, your big-ass ESPN ringside account don't care about that. I don't care about that. The fact of the matter is, is that instead of saying that people are stealing, why don't you give props to the people that are doing Like, I can only imagine social media with Stuart Scott around. Oh. He, he's stealing booyah from the culture and not giving my man his props for what he did for little j- kids like me who wanted to be a journalist because of Stuart Scott. They'll be out there saying the same thing. He stole Booyah and he stole cooler than the other side of the pillow. Like, no, you got to prop these people up. Yep. I'm not saying you got to give up. I don't need your fucking props, <laughs> right? I'm good. I don't need your props. But at least, like, pay attention, man. When somebody's doing something, it's like, quit fucking complaining on Twitter that people are stealing shit. And as soon as you see, and that's just like a problem with the culture, right? Like, they're all about the culture and all this shit. It's like, yo, as soon as someone tells you, the, the person, if for any reason you don't know, the person who runs that page is black. End of discussion. Shit, I'm sorry. Yo, Oops. my bad. That shit's real dope. Like, oh, that's wild. Like, you get to talk about black Air Force Ones on ESPN? Because my last response to him, he never wrote back, was, yo, it's not my fault that I've busted my ass to get to ESPN and I work so well and all of my content is so good that they let me be myself, that they let me speak how I speak, make inside jokes for the culture that I know. It's not my fault that they don't handicap me because the people who came before me, and there's been many a black people at ESPN, couldn't post something about black Air Force Ones, couldn't speak like that, couldn't do little cool shit about the culture, couldn't say stuff like that. So they did all this shit, the Stuart Scotts, everyone, the Jamels, the Michael, all, all them, long list. Yeah. They did all that shit so I can post about Black Air Force. And people are still like, and my, the worst shit, and people kind of stopped it. They're like, yo, what intern posted this? It's like, Rose, we got to stop diminishing damn. our own folks. Do you think social media is run by interns? If yeah. you have my bank account, you pass the fuck out. 
You, you run around your crib like you would hit the lottery. Like, I don't make intern money. I ain't been an intern in a decade. So these people are just r- ridiculous with their comments. And that shit was so funny to me where I was just like, people want black people to succeed. No, they don't. They're, they're black people. This guy yeah. is a black guy. Well, but that's, that's the thing, right? Like, there's so much envy and jealousy because everybody thinks they can do your job. Like, in general. Like, I have people tell me all the time, why don't you ask this question when you're doing an interview? Like, what? You do the fucking interview then. How about that? (laughs) Right? Like, you know, my interview with with Arrow went up today. We talked about about Black Air Force Ones. I laid it out to him, and me and Sean Porter talked about this today. Why this fight? And I I did, like, a stand-up for it. But it's the first fight since Ali Frazier with two black pound-for-pound fighters. And, like, I told Arrow, and Arrow was like, whoa. Right? And then somebody in the comments was like, he's racist what are we doing? <laughs> like, I'm pointing out the obvious here, right? And because y'all not paying attention to the culture, you want to be the first to do it. So when somebody else does it, you're upset that it wasn't you first. Like, you got to get, like, you, you guys got, it's like, Twitter's awful as it is. And you don't really want to see, like, I want to see people win. No, you don't. You want to win. Yeah. Right? Like, you don't want to see other people win. Because if you posted that same video and that shit went viral on your YouTube, you'd have no problem. Right. But, it, but you didn't. But plenty of people, like when people say, oh, I had that idea for that song, or I had that idea for windshield wipers, or whatever the fuck it is that you think you created, did you make it? No. <laughs> then who cares? Yep. What are we talking about? Well, you stole it from me. I don't know you. I don't care to know you. I don't live my life looking for things to steal on social media. At all. And if we don't, that's, that's one thing I was thinking about. I was just chilling at the crib and I was like, yo, who's supposed to ask these questions? Because you, you told me on Tuesday, Maybe it was before Tuesday. And you're like, yo, I'm going to sit down with Arrow. Like, this is my angle yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked it through and all this stuff. And you were like, yeah, like, yo, I'm going to ask him about the first two black fighters and all this stuff. I was like, yo, that's a really dope angle. Who in our positions and our stature, who else is going to think of that or ask that question? Nobody. It'll never get mentioned. It was the reason why I've entered this space in the first place. Is because I came from the culture, if you're talking about hip-hop culture, and being a black male who is amongst a sea of non-black faces, I was like, well, I can ask these questions to black fighters and they will immediately understand what's going on. Yep. Like me and one of the things that me and Errol talked about was not only that, the, the African-Americans, all that, I was like, but there's also this thing that this is a big pay-per-view that people expect to do at least 750. Right, could do over a million. We don't know, especially after today's press conference, yeah. which is going everywhere. And neither of y'all, y'all haven't done any throwing money around. Y'all not making fools of yourself. You're just who you are. And Arrow's like, I, I made it a point, like, because we that's where I started. We talked about Oscar De La Hoya because I don't know if you remember, like, Arrow called out Oscar. You don't know how to put a market black fighter. Shut yep. the fuck up. And I was like, we know that promoters don't know how to do that. You two are making the biggest fight of the year potentially as two black fighters who don't flush money down the toilet or aren't out smacking women, like, you're just really good fighters. And he took great pride in it. And I could tell because friend of PBC, Kenneth, was like, he appreciates that question. Yeah. Because he don't, nobody's going to ask him that because they don't care. We have to they res- just don't have that lens. Yeah, they don't have, yeah, exactly. They don't have that lens or I've seen people say, well, this has been a very respectable promotion. Like, you two respect each other. I'm like, nah, nah, fuck all that. That's true. But Errol and 
but both know what it could be. And we'll talk about today's press conference and what Bud tried to do, and then the hood still came out. Yeah. But we know what it could be, and we're making a diligent effort so it's not what you guys expect it to be. It ain't Mike Tyson biting Lennox Lewis's leg. It ain't people throwing shit into the crowd. Like these two has been very healthy, competitive talk. Like I, I don't know if people saw Frank Martin and Keyshawn Davis going at it. Yeah. But they shook hands. He's like, I'll fight you, motherfucker. I'll fight you. All right, that's what's up. <laughs> they shook hands. <laughs> and they continue to talk shit. But as black people, that's what we do. Like when we play basketball on the court, we trash talk the shit out of each other and be like, respect. Yep. Some of us get a little out of hand if it's a fight every now and then. But for the most part, this is what we do. Errol and Bud have done nothing but talk shit to each other in the, in the kindest way possible. It was like the cookout. It's like playing dominoes at the cookout. And everybody at the cookout knows. Like, you, when you play dominoes in spades, you're going to trash talk. Yep. But it takes people like us to identify it. Like, that's not dangerous. Y'all chill. Like, it's not dangerous. They're not really going to fight. This is just shit talk. So when we see Air Force Ones, it's like, we know, like... Is yeah, demon hours. We know that like <laughs> Sean was like, I don't really know. Like, what happens? He's like, crime happens. And I'm like, yo, you doing something foul when you got on black Air Force right. Ones and black socks? Bad news. But we know Yesterday, that. Yesterday, Harold wore them with white socks. Yeah, no. That's savage. Yeah, he wore <laughs> white socks. White like, socks. Bruh. Black shorts. Bruh. I was like, you out here trying to smoke somebody out. Like, <laughs> but again, it takes us to notice and spot that. But the fact that we are in these positions to amplify it. Stop Stop saying we stole it from y'all. Like, give us credit. It's like when somebody says, a, you know, you hear a beat and it's like, I made a beat that sounded like that. Motherfucker, don't nobody know you. Relax. That's the biggest thing. It's like, fam, we're here. The, the fact that you can comment on this yeah. is an example of me doing some shit you, one, aren't doing or two, can't do. Like, you can see my work. I can see you on your couch. Right. Tweet. Like, I, it's, we're not on the same level. And I say that with all respect. Uh, that, but you ain't me. There's never respect when you say with all due respect. <laughs> someone, something a foul is always going to come after Respectfully. That. You ain't me. Like, you, you, you ain't been where I've been. I, I don't turn on my TV and see you. You can turn on your TV and see me. Like, I'm doing work. So these these people who, and I'm getting like mad new followers and stuff, which is cool. But it's one of those things where it's like, even in our community and in the culture, like this is a boxing guy. Like he has a boxing YouTube. He yeah, does sure. boxing. It's like, so you've never cared to look at other people in your market. You've never looked and said, well, this account is here. I, I do a lot of my shit on Twitter or on YouTube. Let me see what these other accounts are. Who's running this? No, I don't do when, when I got to ESPN, I first, maybe second person at a fight I sat down with was Ellie Segba. And me and Ellie have seen each other in passing, everything. People feel how they want about Ellie. Ellie comments on our ringside sure does. things all the time. He gets a lot of convo going. People like him. People hate him. Whatever. And I just getting this job in social at a high level. I just sat down with him. Yo, your YouTube, no one can front on your YouTube. No. So what have you learned? What do you do? You know, I'm trying to do this here. Do you have any? And for whatever people say about Ellie, whether he likes my platform now, whether he doesn't, whether he likes, I don't even know. But he took the time out. Be like, oh yeah, 
Let's chop yeah. it up. Chop yeah. it up for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. I can never say anything bad about dude. Yeah. But I went out and was like, I should know who else is in this space. Of course. That's that's your job. Yeah. Like I should look and see, okay, these people were successful. These because I was always, you know, wanting to be a journalist and writing and all this stuff. Right. And there's kind of like a divide between the journalist and then the YouTube like people, but they have a huge following. So when I got into social media, I was like, oh, yeah, kind of got to do a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. I got to see what that essence is because their fans are diehard and they're making livings and like real careers. They are a huge following. I need to see why. And I, no one else like your fam. You never looked. It's in my bio. Like I never hide it. I no, tell don't care. Like, it's one person who runs the account. It's every other account on ESPN, by the way. Social has like a grouping of people. Me, I created it. I run it. It's not hard to find me. Like they don't want to do that. They they, they don't. They don't. They don't want to do the legwork. And it, you know this. The build to this fight, as we're getting here, and we get ready to talk about the fight itself. So again, it's the blackest fight we've had with high level African Americans who are really good at their job and not making asses. Yeah. In a long time. It just doesn't happen. So as I'm going through like, you know, media, media days last week and I'm meeting people. And this week I've, I'm meeting people I've never met before who have known of my work. And I tell everybody like, yo, I'll chop it up with you. Like, because I shout out to Tim Smith, who was the president of PBC. Like years ago, Tim, me and Tim were like a Muhammad Ali screen and I always respected his work for the New York Times. And we talked. And now Tim's one of my best friends in this business. We go to dinner all the time. We went to dinner last night. <laughs> talking shit about people. Like, this is what we do. <laughs> but he, you know, he went to the other side of the game. Kenneth Buhari was a writer with me at Sport News. Black dude. Now they're at PBC. PBC is very culture oriented. Yeah. And they get a lot of shit from people about how they run their business. But I know those guys and I, I watch what they do and I soak up that game. Because Tim told me things that he saw and what he should do and how the game's changing. So it's like, it's only for me to impart that wisdom on others, especially if you want it. Yep. If you want to be combative and think you can outdo me in my job, go for it. Like, I, I, I'm not territorial about it. I say it all the time. Like, I'm not here to take your spot. I've never been interested. When I first got into, like, I didn't look at, I didn't look at Stuart Scott. I was like, I want his job. I didn't look at Stephen A. Smith and I was want his job. I mean, you go further down the line and trying to pick people off. When I started in music journalism, I didn't see Elliot Wilson be like, I want his job. I was like, I'm, I'll carve out my own space. Yeah. I just want to do this. Yeah. I just want to do this and be good at it. Like, that's it. And by me doing that, I felt like I can open doors for other people to do the same thing. Because just like in music journalism, which I found out very quickly when I got in, I was like, oh, there's not a lot of black people here. Like, I didn't. I was like, yo, all you white people are writing about black things. This is very strange to me. Now, some of you I respect. Some of y'all I don't. But I realized, like, yo, I should usher in help open the door for others. It got into combat sports space. I was like, whoa, like there's Ain't nobody. Here. I was like, who's here? It was like, like four five of us. You know, and again, you were here way before me. Yeah, and Combat Jack. Shout out to Jack. Rest in rest in peace. Jack is the one who was like, yo, you your voice is like you're a fantastic writer, blah, blah, blah. But why aren't you talking? Why aren't you front facing? I was like, I don't want to do that shit. He was like, think of it not as doing it for yourself, but in Jack's words, do it for the culture. Because if they see you, then they can understand what they can do too. I was like, man, that's like vanity stuff. He's like, shut up, just do it. And then we ended up doing this podcast. And it's gotten us places that I didn't anticipate us ever doing. 
But it, from launching this podcast, just two black guys talking about combat sports. Got me da- damn near every job I've got. <laughs> so, so, but it, I appreciate everyone listening. So all that to say, it's like these things open doors. If rather than point at somebody and be like, fuck you and I can take your job. Why don't you learn? Because I'm not trying to like we, the days are gone when there's just one, right? Yeah. There's just one female wrestler. There's just one black wrestler. There's just one black fight. Those days are gone. If you come up to me and say, yo, I'd like to do, and it, I want to write, I want to edit, I want to do front face, I want to do production because I've done all those things. I will tell you, hey, here's how you get there. Is there a job for you right now? Probably not. Job market's kind of fucked up in journalism. However, I will give you the info and then you do as you will with it. And if there's an opportunity that comes up, I'll open the door for you. Yep. I've met interns this week that were still in college at UNLV. And it was a girl who was like, she's shadowing Kenneth doing all the media days. So I was like, this is dope. But imagine she was like, fuck him, I want his job. Like, it, it don't work <laughs> like that. So when people get on your timelines, like they're stealing from the culture. Like, what is the goal you want to accomplish? You want to get a few likes? Cool. You want a bunch of bottom feeders to fi- follow along with you? All you crabs in the bower can hang out together, broke than a motherfucker. Enjoy. That's what it is. It's just like, yo, really? Like, we're still doing this shit? Like, has this worked out for you? Has this added anything no, they to your... Likes. They think that shit is currency. You know what's currency for me? It's in my bank account. You know what would have gotten more likes? If he would have just went, got the video of the Black Air Force Ones, posted it, and was like, yo, people kind of like this shit. And then he would have got way more likes than just commenting on my shit and, like, hating on it. Yeah, it's, it's wild. But, yeah, that, the Black Air Force Ones and, like, stealing from the culture. And they, they always, like, somebody was like, they're always taking. I was like, bro, I, like, hell's my guy. Like, it's not like I don't know him. He ain't thinking about y'all when it comes to these posts. Is that we're too busy? We are too busy at fights. Yeah, we are too busy do, at interviews, doing interviews. And trust, if I want to take some shit, I'm gonna just DM you. Yeah, like and, legally, I have to. <laughs> but, like right, I'm gonna right. DM you and be like, "Yo, this shit is super dope. Like, can I use this video? Yo, can you send me this? I'll credit you. Like, that's pretty much all I can do. If not, like, that's all good. But like, I'll credit you. I'll try to like make sure." We get like a working thing. Like if I can work up like a quota with your fucking name on it, anything, you can just be like, yo, I was on ESPN pages. However, we can finagle this. Like, cool. I'll do that before I take your shit. And then if there's enough of that, then I'm just be like, yo, I kind of want this person to get hired. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's I, what I'm saying. Hiring freeze aside right now at ESPN because we have budget cuts and let a bunch of people go. If not, I go to people and be like, yo, this person's really good at their job. Right. Like we should have them. That person should be here. And when you get there, then listen, the, the squad is going to be bigger and better and we'll figure out after that. But that's like the biggest misconception is that something keeps you from a job for as long. And we'll get into the boxing stuff in any way here in a second. But as far as long as we've had this show, like I've never thought and no one's ever confused my resume to be your resume. Right. It's just not. Yeah, it's not different. the same. Yeah. Like you, I'm never catching your resume. <laughs> you, you had so many years. You've done so many things. It's so different. But I never said, yo, you're keeping me from getting jobs. No. Or you're, oh, if I'm talking to Andreas every week, people are going to be like, well, this guy's just an underling Andreas. And is not going to get me. Like, that's just fucking stupid. It never, it, like, that's, it made no sense. Yeah. It did the exact opposite. Where every job interview I've been on, I'd be like, hey, you're, you're on the show with Andreas. Yes, I am. Yeah, nice guy, huh? Like, oh, he's really good. Yeah, he is. So, what's up? And it just helps people, like, 
get that comfort level that I do an interview and they give me a job. So it's It's the rub. Like that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to like, man, a hundred percent pro wrestling, put me over constant. It's like, we're working a match, right? Like we don't really hate each other on this show. We, (laughs) we have debates, we argue, but it's the rub. And whoever takes the pin that night, mostly you. Yep. Listen, Hey, it's a heels job. Yeah, once it's done, you go back to the locker room, we shake hands, and people go, man, he did put on a really great performance. Even though he was the healer, he was the baby face. I really enjoyed that person. And my job is not to go, in real life, fuck hell. No. It's like, yo, yeah, give him a job. Right? Like, or or there's opportunity here. There's enough here for all of us. There's never, not to my knowledge, there's never been a situation where they were like, I either want you or you can't have you both. Like, you get calls for things, I get calls for things. You want to know why? Because the space is so big. So if all these people keep saying... That's what they don't know. There's so much money out here. It, there's, a, there's Damn, we're not even getting all the money. No, not even close. Not but even there, close. There's so much opportunity for you to be seen. Because that's what most of y'all want and complain is just to be seen. Y'all don't really even want the job. You just want to look. And if that's what you want in a bunch of retweets, cool. But remember the bridges that you burn before you even cross them. Like, be careful. Yeah. I don't, I'm petty. I don't forget anything. I say a lot of wild ass hot takes. I don't ever attack anyone personally because that's just ridiculous. Like you can like my take, you cannot like my take. And that's like objective. A lot of people don't like my takes, but you're never going to catch me like hating on somebody or like, like, yo, this person's horrible or attacking like them as a person. I just call it as it is for like guys like John Jones and shit. Like if you're yeah. a horrible human being, but that's what you put out there. Yeah. But that's, <laughs> That's like, I'm not, especially like my peers, everyone's like on a leg up. I try to help everyone. I'm cool with everybody. Like I don't start being, and that helps you go further. Exactly. So these, these people who are always like cutthroat or complaining, so many people just complain, especially in the boxing space, complain publicly on social. Like, where is this getting you? Like, what do you, as a media person, where is this getting you? Very much. What do you want? What do you want? (laughs) What's the end game here? Like, what do you want? You've got my attention now. What do you want? And then they can't tell. Well, I just, I just want this plenty of times that I've Your had mentions people, be crazy. My mentions are nuts. And I'll be like, yo, what do you want? I've DM people. What do you want? <laughs> like, for real, what do you want? Do you want something? And they'd be like, no, I was just saying, oh, it's different energy now. But what do you want? Because, bro, anybody who knows me, anybody, who knows me? It's like, I don't just come out here just shitting on people. People see my mentions be on fire, but it's like, you motherfuckers deserve it sometimes. <laughs> but for the most part, if anybody asks me something, or if they say something nice, or they say something I agree with, I'll retweet them and quote tweet them and be like, yo, that was dope. That was smart. I think uh, one of our, our followers, Paul Giversain, yeah. was right on like one of the UFC cards. I was like, I need, I was, my mentions were in shambles about some other UFC stuff. But I remembered at the fight, I was like, yo, he's hit like every fight tonight. I said, like, let me retweet that. Because I was wrong, like on everything. <laughs> Whatever night, I can't remember. It might have been two ninety two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah and that was like, like that. It was like he hit everything. I was like, yo, let me shout him out. Maybe got him some followers. Maybe it didn't. But yo, I people who do good work, I give them a look. Yeah. I, I is the one thing that I know that I've done, if nothing else, because I don't have like that kind of an ego where I talk about my work. Who cares? I did what I did. You can see it. You didn't. Whatever. I've always felt that it's important to big other people up. When somebody writes a dope article and I read it, boom, I read, I'll be like, yo, you should check this out. Somebody makes a dope song, you should check this out. Somebody that makes a dope tweet, whatever the fuck it is. What does it hurt me to hold somebody up? Meanwhile, y'all over here like, they, they stealing. 
They, they, like, I ain't got time to steal from you. You got to gatekeep the culture. Like, what are you gatekeeping? Something that's existing for you, like, you. This is yours. You gatekeeping Air Force Ones? You really gatekeeping Black Air Force Ones? No, you're not. No, you're not. That's not your job. Somebody else told you about those. Facts. I guarantee you didn't came up with that shit with yourself. Facts. Like, you don't even know. You weren't copping Air Force Ones when they were $70. No, nah, man. You wasn't going, you wasn't getting no uptowns. And- <laughs> At all. Like, you, you weren't rocking the 3X white tee with nah, the crispy right. pair of white uptowns. Like, you ain't get this shit until Fat Joe licked a sneaker on MTV. Right. You, like, you, you, you weren't there. You don't know about Jabot jeans. Oh, my God. Like, where were you? You weren't where I was. No, and even if you were, you're not in a position now. That you <laughs> if you are, you would champion me. And you'd right. be like, yo, that's some real shit. Yeah, like whenever, dude, every, again, Stuart Scott, even Max Kellerman. Like, I remember years ago, Max Kellerman was rhyming some De La Soul shit at a fight. And I like stopped him. <laughs> I was like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> and then I found, that's how I found out Max Kellerman like was ahead. Like yeah. I knew he had like reps on Rough House Records and all that shit. And there was a time it was me and Sway and Fashawn and Max Kellerman. We stood in the back. And was going over bars, just talking about our favorite bars. But Max was like, yo, I always want to implement some of this into what I do. And I know people say, I've seen people say, Max Kellerman is a culture vulture. No, he's not. No. I've seen people say it about Peter Rosenberg. I've seen people say it about other white people in the space. I've seen people say it about the black space. They steal from this. They do this. Dude, there are some thieves out there. Yes. There are some people who steal, but not everybody's out to steal from little old you. Some people elevate the culture. Yeah. Again, you can't gatekeep a culture because the culture is what you put into it. Right. And those people who are here, the people who steal shit, like that'll come to the light. Uh, I don't want to like just name drop because I don't know people personally, but like, yes, Jules was real big for a time. Yeah. And then like, yes, Jules is around, but she ain't around. Like, but people are like, yo, she's a culture vulture, blah, blah. Okay. If she is, she going to fizzle out. Because you can only do that shit for so long. You can only fake the funk for so long. The real's going to sustain. Rosenberg's been here forever. Yeah, man. I've known Peter. Forever. You, you guys just did the whole blog era shit. Yeah. We was all on that. Everybody, like, Rosenberg was for that. But, like, there's a ton of, like, blog era people still here. There's two white guys on there. Those guys are hilarious. Who is the real? It's the real. Yeah, they're, they're the ones the who came up. Those are that, Yo. my boys. Yeah. Yo. There's so many different types of people in that like blog era series. And it's like, not culture vultures. No one's no. stealing anything because they put in the work. They elevated this culture. Yeah. And they don't got to be black or whatever. The, Angela just, Yee, the people feel however you want to feel. She put in work in this culture. Oh, yeah. Work. Yeah. Like, so she's not in a culture. Like, what? How do you gatekeep someone who put in miles of work that you haven't? Well, it's, it's, yeah. Like, yeah. That's what boggles my mind. It's like, yo, like, oh, we got to gatekeep our culture. From what? From getting to ESPN? You don't know what I did before. You don't know the hours I work to get this shit onto ESPN. What are you gatekeeping? Bunch of lames, man. Oh, super, super lame. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before we get, well, let's rewind that. Tuesday. Yes. Talking about the work we put in. I bet the crack of dawn. To cover fights. You, you're used to this shit. Yeah, most of my kids. Yeah, you got, you got kids. You're used to waking up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. You're good. Get some coffee or something. I don't drink coffee. Set my alarm. Woke up at 3 a.m. to cover these fights. Naoya Inoue versus Stephen Fulton in Japan. Uh, I woke up early because Robesi was in the co-main. And I think the world of Robesi Ramirez as a fighter at 126 pounds, he looked great. Um, starts his challenge, hopefully unifications next for him. But in the meantime, you have Inway moving up, first fight, moving up after becoming undisputed champion at 118 pounds. This fight get delayed like two months um, because of a hand injury to Inway. Cool, he got over it. Stephen Fulton, shout out to him. That's, that's real Philly shit. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the champ. I could say I'm the A side. I could. I'm, I'm across the street. As they say, yep. this guy's on top rank or somewhere in Japan. I don't care. I'll defend my belts. Make the numbers make sense. I'm going anywhere. I'm, I'm all for the smoke. They made the numbers make sense. It's like, all right, Tuesday, Japan, that shit sold out. They had plenty of money to pay. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. He's like, I'm there. Let's do it. And he's like, yo, I can beat this guy. And he goes, he, he's clearly the best champion at 122, if you ask me. Yes, by far. He puts up his two belts against Inouye. And when you looked at him at the weigh-ins, Inouye looked small compared to Fulton. In the fight, Inouye looked small compared to Fulton. It took me about 
three minutes, two and a half, to look at that fight and be like, they're on different levels. Dude, <clears throat> I called this shit to a T. The body work, the long jab to the body. Fulton doesn't have the power to keep in a way off of him. The other, the biggest issue, which I had a debate with Tom Gray on our Fighting Word show, I never liked how Stephen Fulton gives up his space. I never liked it. When he fought Brandon Figueroa, Stephen Fulton gave up space, but he would engage in these firefights to get him out of it. It got him buzzed a couple times in that fight, but I was like, I don't like how he does this. And I went back and watched a bunch of his other fights. He's like, he does this a lot. He invites people to get closer to him. Mm-hmm. Can't do that against Inouye. Because, and as I, I will relate this to Bud and Errol when we get to that conversation, because what happens when you invite the wrong motherfucker in? <laughs> and that's what happened. Inouye stabbed him in the body, stabbed him in the body. And you could tell very quickly that Fulton was like, he's fast and he's strong. He's a lot stronger than I expected. So I don't really want to exchange punches with this guy. So he got gun shot real quick. Yeah, because they exchanged jabs, which is Fulton shit. Like, that's his thing. Yeah. And he was like, his jab's faster, his jab's stronger. I might be in trouble. Yeah, like this is all bad. Now you're fighting off your back foot, backing into the rope, still giving up space because you don't know any better. That's really just how you fight. But you quickly realize like, yo, he's really good. Like these things that I used to be able to fight my way out of, I can't because as soon as I open myself up, he's going to hit me. These rounds are wearing on. I picked the mid to late round stoppage because the body work is going to open it up. Stab to the body, stab to the body, stab to the body. Fulton finally drops his hands over the top of the right hand. Changes everything. The worst thing that Fulton did, not go down. <laughs> he took that punch, like staggered over a little bit. Yeah. And then... He put his hands on, which honestly, it should have just been the count, like it automatically. Been. It should have been. The ref but, couldn't get there fast enough. Bro, you need to roll on the ground. You need to roll out of the ring because he anyway, was... was on his ass. Yeah, he was damaged. So that, and that punch that he hit him with, I was like, it's over. Yeah. Because he might have got up from that first punch the follow-up left. This, that follow-up left hand put him down, and I was like, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. In a way, absolutely steamrolling Stephen Fulton, and I talked to Freddie Roach about this, it gave me Manny Pacquiao vibes. Yeah. Like, they're very different fighters, because Manny Pacquiao's darts in, in and out, throws a lot of things down the middle. But it's the, the technique is so sound and pristine that I'm watching this guy, and I'm like, yo, how far can this he move up? Ain't nothing for him at 126. He'll smoke that division. Yeah, I think Robesi's a good fight for him there. I think he'll bust Robesi's ass. I think he beats Robesi. <laughs> yeah, like, he beats Robesi. There's nobody else at 26. I don't think 26. he stops Robesi. He, he beats Robesi. He might stop. I mean, dude, it, it's, when you're swimming with sharks. I mean, uh, Robesi beat Shakur, and now he's added a pro style with power. Like, Robesi's pretty damn I don't good. Oh, man. This dude's frightening. And it, I mean, he goes up to 30. Everybody's too slow. Valdez is too slow. Navarrete is too slow. They're too slow for him. He's too good. 35 is a different story. His frame isn't big. Like him going up to 135 is very, I, it wouldn't happen anytime soon. I think he, he becomes undisputed here. Yeah. He moves up the weight class. Because right after the fight, they brought in, yeah, he, uh, what's his face, who's champion now. Yeah, well. Got yeah. the upset. He's he, like, I'm ready. Yeah, he and, looked and he was like, ah. Like, yeah, and then anyway, it's just like, all right, before the end of the year, because why are we wasting? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I can fight tomorrow. Yeah, he's but he, like, I'll bust your ass. He'll and be undisputed. Twice in a year. Yeah, he'll be undisputed. He'll move up 26. Probably, I don't know if he'll slow play it. Depends. All the belts are all spread out at 26. That's why Robesi has to go collect the other. 
Yeah. Because two are on top rank now. Yeah. And then got to pay like they did Fulton. Yeah. To get the other belts. But you can do that when you can sell like in a way. And he's getting that Pacquiao mystique. The numbers he put up on a Tuesday were staggering. That, dude. The numbers, social. stupid. The, the social and like you know our work is sporting. It was like we keep track of like a, a live blog, and we like try to see where the numbers are coming from because we have like, I mean, our J- Japan numbers were surreal. They were like record breaking, right? But then our states numbers were incredible. We were like, wait, like this dude's big. And like, I thought it was a mistake. Yeah, like it's crazy how big he is. But then you think it's fucking Japan. They got like billions of people there. Like, why wouldn't it be big? What's crazy is because we had ESPN rights for right. it. Our biggest post, if we show any like fight footage, we have to remove, it's called geotagging. Yeah. We have to remove Japan. Yeah. Because they have their own pay-per-view rights out yeah. there. And then the UK had it on pay-per-view. So we had to remove the UK and remove Japan. Shit still did 400,000 likes. Like nothing did 400,000 likes this year except Tank and Ryan. No one's gotten close That's to insane. that number. That's like... For as good as Haney was um, and Loma with the controversy, uh, Teofimo, he looked great. They didn't do 400 likes on any post for me. He did it on a Tuesday. Yeah. At 8 a.m. <laughs> it's insane. I was like, oh, people are figuring it out. Yeah. Like the, the Pacquiao, like momentum of it. And that's why signing with Bob, as soon as he signed with Bob, I was like, and people say a lot about Bob, like, yo, Bob doesn't know how to market. Black fighters, people had said in the past and all that stuff. I know Bob knows how to market. Yeah, he, foreigners. He, he's he, good at this. Yeah, like, he knew how to market Manny Pacquiao specifically. Yeah. They got him another one. And it was like, oh, this is a, a match made app. And then people know where I stand on Bob and, and black fighters now. I, I think he's done a great job by teaming, you know, with Jay Prince and what they do for black fighters now, I think is, is great. But, you know, the history of it, and the man had Ali. It's a weird thing to yeah, say know, he doesn't right? auto-promote black fighters. He promoted Ali. But nonetheless, when you look at it, it's like, yeah, no, nah, like the Pacquiao vibes. I did a Pacquiao in a way post. That shit went crazy. Manny was tweeting about him. Like, man, he's giving him the rub. He's giving him the rub. He ain't hating on him. At all. He's saying, you stole my style he's, and my knockouts? Yeah, I'm trying to make a comeback. How dare you take nah, my spot? He no. gave him props. He's like, oh, I see it. I yeah. See it. Gave him the rub and people were like, oh, okay, this is, you like it? Oh, shit. He, what, 30 fights, 28 knockouts? Yeah. Oh, he's a power punch. People are on it. Yeah, it on it. It was, I mean, the performance was so good. Like, I was, yeah, I figured about two minutes into the fight, I was like, oh, he's done. Like, there's <laughs> nothing he can do. And people were like, oh, he didn't come to fight. No, Fulton came to fight. Yes. There are levels to this. And Fulton's at, you know, this is a pro wrestling. He's a good B-plus player compared yeah. to anyway. Like, it's, they're just two different levels of fighter. If anyway moves up, vacates all the belts again. He gets them back. Fulton's getting all the belts like, back. Fulton, like, Fulton has no problem getting all no. those belts back at 22. If Fulton wants to move up in any way for any reason, because they said he might stay at 22 for a second, um, got to let his body catch up. Yeah. So he has to get very comfortable at 22 for like a year. Let his body grow to 26, couple months, grow to 30 if you need be. 30 might be the cap. Unless big fights, which we'll talk about here in a second. But you, he's like two years away from like 30, 35. And they're trying to let him grow into it. So you might have a couple title defenses. But who's there? Like, he beat up everyone at 22 while he's there. So if Fulton wants to go up to 26, get a belt. And maybe he said he wanted to run it back. That's how you can force running it back. Yeah, sure. Go up to 26, know that you're good. Take a belt. I think Figueroa moved up to 26. Yeah, Figueroa. Yeah, like there's... 
There's people you can go like Joette Gonzalez is getting his third title shot at 26. Yeah, sure. Why not? Like, you can go grab a belt. It's not that crazy. So it's anyway is going to be undisputed. And we talked about this our last boxing show. The race for number one pound for pound is who can be double weight undisputed first. Yeah, well, I mean, he's getting it in November. Yeah, so now everyone, you got to beat him there. Yeah, like in a way, as of today, like we immediately at Sport News, we were like, who's who denies in a way's number one pound for pound? It's like nobody. We, we can put him number one pound for pound right now. Good. Cool. We put him number one pound for pound. We'll wait and see what happens on Saturday, right? Are you of the opinion that? Terrence and Errol have to do something shocking or extremely dominant to take one from him. No, I think the only thing is because as I Errol said, he's like, you know, Fulton's not a pound for pound guy, right? Terrence is. I am. Yes. We're fighting each other. Top four pound for pound. The only thing that prevents either of them from jumping over in a way is if the wrong person wins. Like, if Terrence looks like he won and it goes Errol's way, then I can't put the loser above in a way, but I can't put the winner up there either. Yeah. If it's, I expect it to be a close fight, but I, we need to have a definitive winner, but it doesn't need to be dominant. Like, it needs to be, we just need to know who won. Like, we can't have a draw. Like, we, we, we can't have like a super controversy. We can't have a Adelaide Bird scoring all three scorecards and fucking things up. Like, we got to have a definitive winner, but. That's right now, today, in a way, is number one pound for pound. After Saturday, I'm 90% sure that thing will change. Like, in a way, yes, Fulton's good. He ain't pound for pound. The two men we're about to see fight this weekend are the best fighters in the world. In their weight class, bar none. And the only two people that are above them are Usyk and Inouye. So, yeah, this is... All the marbles are on, on the table, but in a way, after that performance, I was like, God damn, I don't know who's beating that dude. Steven Espinoza comes out. He says, he didn't say next. He says, Oh, I hope to one day. Yeah. It's only thir- <laughs> the quote. It's only 13 pounds. Yeah. I hope to one day see in a way versus tank. Yeah. Immediately my brain goes, Oh, this is uh Mayweather Pacquiao in his head. Like he's yeah. just printing money. It's funny. In which you are printing money. Yes. And Manny Floyd, for as well as he climbed divisions, he didn't really, what, it was 126 for like a couple of fights, but 130 to 147. Yeah. That's where Floyd lived. Manny climbed from 108. All the way up. Through 147, 154. Like. Eight divisions. Yeah. It's eerily similar. It is. Here's a funny thing. I forgot that. It while that is your Mayweather Pacquiao fight, style wise, it's your core. In a yes. way. Like ah. style wise, Shakur fights more like Floyd, Floyd than yeah. Javante does. And style wise, Shakur is the one person that I know has this the skill and ability to neutralize what anyway does. He has just enough pop to back you off. His defense is incredibly sound. Like he does everything right. You can't beat Inouye doing what he does. I'm not saying Tank can't beat him. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Tank's a destructive force. Yes. Right. And much bigger. And yeah. people say he's going to flatten. Right now, everyone's saying, don't do that to Inouye. Tank's going to kill him. And I'm like, are you too sure about that? Yeah, I, I mean, like, listen, guys, like. In two years, are you sure? If Inouye's body can catch up and he doesn't have to be as big as Tank. They're the same height, but his frame is. 
His frame's not Manny's frame. No. Manny's like trunk was always yeah. ginormous. And then, back. then this motherfucker's arms filled out. His calves went to nuclear levels. Ten of those pounds are in the, in the calves. Yeah. So he just, however he did it, um, worked out a lot and put on a ton of muscle. I'm not sure any way he could do that if he tried. No. But if we can get to 135 and Tank, I, I don't know how high Tank can go really. Because of his height, because his yeah. frame, like 40 and bounce back and forth. I don't think he's ever going to be a 47 guy. No, I don't think so. So in two years, if they keep going how they're going, if anyway's a two-division undisputed champion, maybe three in two years. Because 126, like, let's be real. No, yeah, who's fucking? He watches that. So dude. three years, a three-division undisputed champion with all of Japan behind him, coming to Vegas yep. against a Gervonta Davis who's a force freak of nature. That's, and I love Shakur. Haney's cool. That's Tank's biggest fight. Money-wise, huge. Yeah, that's if bigger than any Ryan rematch, bigger than this Ryan fight. If this did 1.3 through 1.5 in two years, that does two. Yeah, if they, if they stay on the same pace. 2.2, like, it's, as it's long undeniable. as pay-per-view doesn't fall off the fucking ledge. I don't know what happens in two years. But if there's still a pay per view around there, you're doing two plus. Yeah, Japan's coming strong. They ain't playing. Oh, that's you're making stupid amounts of money. And when we talk to Leonard Ellerby, it's funny now because that was just a few months ago. We told we had to write the Tank Ryan fight. We had and he Leonard said here. someone up here. There you go. He was like, "We're good. We waited. Someone will appear on his level, yep. on Tank's level. That foil will always come." And lo and behold, <laughs> there you go. And, and you, the question always is, as Leonard has said, as people at PBC say, what do you bring to the table? Yep. Not just belts. What do you bring to the table? I bring, I bring the country. country. I bring Japan. Cool. <laughs> You're in. Say less. So, right, <laughs> like, I, like you do. They're going to let it marinate. Yeah. Do whatever you got to do. Let but it build. It'll be huge. But that's, that's what Inoue has. He has an entire country. Like, you can have titles. That's cool. But what do you have that I don't already have? Like, let's be honest. Like, if it's Javante and Devin Haney, he's like, you got black people? I got more black people. Yep. That's cool. Same thing with Shakur. Right. Like, Mayweather Pacquiao, the reason it was so big is like, Manny Pacquiao had like the entire Philippines <laughs> behind him. The entire ride. Canelo was big. He had an entire country behind him. That's why this Spence Crawford fight is so fascinating because these two black guys. Did. But that, that's enough to get Javante to go, all right, cool. Yeah. Let's, let's not, work on it. The guy's called the monster. Like he's going to be deemed yeah. unbeatable at a certain point. Yeah. It's the legend's going to grow as much, and it's weird to say, or bigger than Manny Pacquiao. Because Pacquiao struggled at times. Pacquiao didn't have a right hand for a long time. No, Freddie. <laughs> like Pacquiao took an L early. Yeah. Like he took a couple, like people had his number. He had close fights. They thought he lost to Marquez. Yeah. I don't see any of that in the future, near not future right for Inouye. Not, not right now. Inouye is like a rock star. He could be in a J-pop band and then, you know, go knock people out. Like, he's, he's got it. And Manny was a phenomenon for a number of reasons because, I mean, dude, when he started rampaging through raid classes and killed David Diaz and, you know, he just was just knocking people out. When he smoked Ricky Hatton, everybody was like, alright, cool. Like, the fight to make is with Mayweather. And then it took goddamn six years for him to do it. 
meets him, meets him and Ken had to, we had a hollered about this. We were like, you know, Mayweather Pacquiao should have happened in 09, 010, like 2010. And then it didn't happen until 2016. That's too late. People yeah. complaining about Spencer Crawford's like, it didn't take that long. This took forever. Like, Mayweather Pacquiao took forever. And then Manny wasn't the same Manny. He wasn't the same guy. He no. Was, he wasn't even close. The excitement was still there, but it was. Right, but it was the countryman with the countryman. Yeah. I mean, so as we transition to talk about Spence and Crawford, the other thing I asked Errol Spence, a few years ago at this time, you were supposed to fight Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. And you, you scratched Retina and you couldn't have that fight. Which fight is bigger? And he was like, well, the Crawford fight is bigger to me. He was like, Manny was a name I was trying to put on my resume, but we knew Manny wasn't the same Manny. Like, we knew it. He was ripe for it. Yeah, like, I needed to use him to get over it. So he's like, I was hyped for that fight for a different reason. He's like, I knew I could beat him. This fight, you know, like today, they asked him, as Arrow, like, what does Bud do better than you? He's a better switcher. He's got better footwork. When a fighter acknowledges that what his opponent does better and is not delusional, it's like, I do everything better than him. And I know Bud did that today. But it means that a fighter is going, all right, now I need to know how to take away your best weapons. Yep. Right? Errol knew that. Like, he knew, like, Bud is the biggest challenge. I don't know what's going to happen in the ring, but in terms of preparation, I got to do everything to be prepared. For Manny, I could just do what I do and I was going to beat him. I'm bigger than him, stronger than him. He's not the same Manny Pacquiao. He's not. That fight, all those fights are too late. This is at the right time. So now we're at this fight. It's the right time. If anyway, tank fight, hopefully it'll be at the right time. I think anyway is what? 29? 30. 30? He just, just turned 30. 30. And Javante's 29? Yep. He got three years. Yeah, two, three. Yeah, two to three years, you make it happen. And if you guys can make sure you stay within the same weight class, make it happen. It's, it'll be the biggest fight in boxing. Hands down. And you touched on Terrence today and some of his comments, it was, uh, it was intense. The stare down immediately was intense. It two stare down. They had, yeah, they had the stare down when they first got there. Yeah. And, uh, that's it was a little I, more lighthearted at that. Yeah. Well, they had both had the black air force ones on. They, I mean, buzz locked in. You, yeah. you can see when the switch flips. Yeah. He's, he's in hairs looking a little peasy. Like him and him and Errol today, it was really, intense to the point where I was like I kept using the term cookout with anybody who was black that's all I saw Rob BSO I was like yo it's like the cookout when the uncles are getting ready to fight and the people that know the uncles like they ain't gonna fight yeah. they just talking shit but everybody else is getting hype around them because they want the uncles to fight like the other family members like this this side this west side like everybody getting hype the two they gotta fight they know they have to fight and they're watching all of you get hype but that doesn't mean that I can still talk shit to each other Right? Like these two are so in like the competitive nature between these two is like there's a level of respect, but they know it's like it's not even that I don't like you. I have to beat you. Yeah. It's starting to chip away. Yeah. Of like the respect will always be there. Of course. But the kindness, the I guess the calmness of it, it's chipping away. They're like tired of seeing each other. Yeah, and now it's like, as it gets closer, I gotta fuck you. I gotta fuck you. Like, and you and you're feeling it, and they're exuding it. Yeah. Because at a point, 
yeah, it was nice and there was no rah-rah. We weren't acting stupid. But now the competition's clicking. And you know how important this is to you. And at this point, now you're just psyching yourself up in the head. Like, oh, you trying to take food off my table. <laughs> like, yeah. this is how I feed my kids. Like, no, now, now you're going that way. And now it's just building and building. You could see it in Bud's face. And then you can even see it in Errol's face. Oh, yeah. There's, there's levels of Errol. Errol, a lot of Errol's people. calm and people mistaken. That. They do. They mistake that. They but no. really do. Like, they look at Errol's like, he country and, you know, he don't seem like he looks sleepy. That's. This is just Arrow. I've been around Arrow enough. I rolled with him for the Mikey Garcia fight. And I just, when he locks in, it's different because when he's in, he's already in. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's never been one to say a whole lot. They've been, do, I give them credit. They have been doing their best to sell this fight. 100%. As much as they can. They've been on everything. Yeah, as much as they possibly can. Like, you can see it. They're tired of doing it because they don't like doing it. But they're, they're locked in. They're locked in. So when we had the stare down, you have two guys who clearly know that's what makes this fight so great. I've never lost. You've never lost. There has been not so much of, neither of them have showed much of a weakness. No. Neither of them have been pushed, like, Bud's been buzzed, and, and, and Arrow had a close fight with Porter. Like, you could say all those things. He dropped his mouthpiece, mistakenly got hit. That's, that, <laughs> that is, that is the, not doing that the most hilarious story on the Pivot Podcast <laughs> where we thought about teeth was on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> he was just worried about like a veneer. Yeah, he was, he was a, worried about social media talking about his teeth falling out. And he was like, you can see me. And they show the rebate. He's like, see, I'm looking for my teeth. There, there are, again, it's like, I liken it to a, like the fight itself, as I talk about, it's liken it to a game of Madden. When you like are really good at Madden and you can, you, you play, everybody plays Madden. You have yep. like four plays, right? That Damn you right. know. Then you have, That's your go-to. Depending on how the game is going, now you have, depending on how deep your bag is, how far into that bag you have to go. Errol and Bud have had like four plays in fights and they've worked, right? And on the defensive side of the ball, they go, all right, I'm going to watch what you do. Now that's what you're going to do. All right, I got something. Mikey Garcia fight, perfect example. A lot of people said Errol should have knocked out Mikey. But you could see what was happening. Errol said, I'm going to use the jab, see what happens. Mikey can't get around it. Mikey can't get around it. Four rounds pass. Mikey can't get around it. Why am I going to change my plan? Why am I, I don't even need to take a risk. He can't adjust to this. And Mikey's really good at adjusting, but I've already figured him out. Every now and then, Errol will throw a right hand to see what would happen. Mikey would back up. And he's like, all right, well, if I overcommit, maybe he can counter. I'll just stick to this and just beat his ass for 12 rounds. Never once did Errol have to change his game plan. He didn't have to. Terrence is different. Terrence will go out there and be like, let me see exactly what you have. Sean Porter made this point to me the other day. I thought it was really good. He was like, when I was fighting Terrence, I was looking at him and I never knew what he was thinking. <laughs> right. He was like, I was, I was fighting him and it got, he was, he didn't use the word scary. He got, he said it got strange. Cause usually at a certain point in the fight, he was like, all right, he's going to throw that left hand. He's going to follow with the right. I'm going to back up on my counter. Boom, boom. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. He was like, I got so off balance with Terrence. Cause I just never knew what he was doing, what he was thinking because everything he does is like, he adjusts, right? He takes what you give him. And then he's like, all right, like a game of Madden, you can score a touchdown in the first quarter. You're not going to use that play. Yeah. Now it's like, I don't like you anymore. So instead of me running down your throat for four quarters, let me throw a couple bombs to get you out of the game. Terrence is really good at chunk plays, right? Like Terrence is really good at like, 
Hundred percent. Yeah, it's like Spence is more fundamental. Yeah, Spence is like incremental, like very yeah. small things. I'm gonna just hear you go like your Dennis Ugas fight. It's like I'm gonna go to his body. I'm gonna yeah. go to his body. I'm gonna go to his body. He can't. He can't take it. Nah, he'll he'll beat you fourteen to three in a game of Madden. Yeah, or twenty one nothing. You might, you might have that. to pass the sticks. That's like the broken eye socket. Yep. But ain't that? But it's like yo, if I see it, chunk plays. That's like. But it's like yo, I'm picking this shit off. I'm taking the crib. You are gonna blink? And it's gonna be sixty three nothing, right? And, and the and the problem and the thing, not even the problem. The problem when you dealing with somebody like Bud, like in Madden, you can keep running the score up. Eventually, the game's got to end, right? And it's not you can't quit. You just gotta take this ass whooping in Madden. In a fight, you you'll quit. Your body will say that's enough because he's beating my ass. And that's what Terrence Crawford does. Like the Sean Porter fight, like his dad threw. He's like, I my son's not getting back in this fight. Yeah, that's it. His butt, he, he, he's got a snowball on. Yeah, he, he, it's happening. Like, you're seeing it happen, and there's nothing you can do. Like, this is happening. That's every one of Bud's fights. So, I understand, like, when I said Bud has never been, like, tested, people are like, oh, my God, you're the worst. All right. But there's always a moment in a Bud fight, and it can happen early, like, the last Avenesian fight well, or whatever. He threw, like, 110 punches in yeah. the first round against Avenesian. But, or it can happen in the middle. Kind of, I think, uh, the Kelbrook fight was like mm-hmm. that. Or it can happen late. Sean Porter fight, uh, Mean Machine fight was a little later, I believe, yep. eighth, ninth round. But there's always a point in a Bud fight where you're like, oh, it's over. Oh, he's, yeah. As soon as the, it's like Madden, as soon as that momentum bar goes, you ain't getting this shit back. Because as soon as he has you hurt a little bit, or you take a step back a little, because you can keep it even with, like, you know, like you go toe for toe, you might buzz him, he buzz you, you guys are exchanging, you look at the, the, punch stats yep. and shit's kind of even as soon as you wilt a little he's on your ass you're not getting the momentum back you gotta do what Sean's dad did you just throw this shit in we'll figure this out later yeah. because it's only gonna get worse for you and the one thing that Bud takes advantage of and this is how it's gonna play this is how I'm seeing the fight like I've been watching a lot a lot of fights this week the one thing that Bud does is that he takes advantage that you're going to get desperate like if, if he starts getting up big he knows it he knows it just like in Madden. Oh, you're going to start throwing downfield. I'm just going to sit in a dime package and wait. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Bud knows it. He did it to Benavidez. Benavidez is getting desperate. He's going to start taking chances. Took his ass late. Right? And he's like, as soon as he starts taking chances, I've been holding this uppercut all night just for you. And now you have to put yourself in position because you, you have nothing left. What is that, 12th round? Yeah, it was 11th to 12th. 11th to 12th. Benavidez put his head down. Bud was like, there it is. Hit him. It's like a quarterback. He's like, hey, he's not, they're not running the ball anymore. I took that away. He's so far behind. He's only got to go for big plays. That's I it. do chunk plays. He can't do that yeah. shit. Just wait for you to throw the Hail Mary. Yep. Pick that shit right off. But <laughs> just, Arrow's different. Arrow's like, I got the momentum. I'm just going to keep running this ball because you can't stop yeah. this eye formation. You can't stop this. You can't stop the, 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 the tight end. Like, I'll just keep throwing it to Kittle or Travis Kelsey. You can't stop it. That's the key. That's the most intriguing thing of this fight is because if Errol's fundamentally sound, like he always is, and he starts normal or fast as he normally, like he doesn't start slow, right? Like no. Errol, Errol has one, spe- one speed. Yeah. Just always really good. Comes out of the gate. He's, he doesn't take time to warm up. If he gets four or five rounds and Bud gets desperate, then it's a different fight. If Bud, for some reason, then, like these are two ways like Errol can go and then I want to see what Errol does. Like, Bud's going to get desperate and the dog's going to come out of him. If you're up five, six rounds to two, do you 
then say, fuck it. He's getting wild. I'm going to open up. Or do you Mikey Garcia him and stick with the plan? Right. The other flip side is, is if Crawford has four rounds to two of Errol. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because your game plan is always, I'm running the ball, I'm running the ball, I'm running the ball. What happens when you got to, he's the 49ers. Yeah. That shit works great. Got him all the way to the Super Bowl. Had to get the ball to Jimmy G. He's yep. like, fuck, we're down 14. What do you got? Yeah. If down he's big. down, not, it don't even got six to four. Yeah. Can you open up? Do you have time? It, right? You're running you're out of time. you're down seven, three. You're like, yo, even if I beat him, that's seven, five. That's not the math ain't mathing. I got to knock him out. I had to go four and fourth down. Can you? Like, that, dude, is that play in your playbook? That is the, that I've talked about this fight. I've, I've tried not to talk about this fight because I didn't want to give a prediction, but that is the story of this fight. The story of this fight is when Bud turns it around, turns it on, everybody's falling apart. What happens if he turns it on and Errol's still there, right? What happens when Errol, who uses this jab, where he goes to his plan B and he slowly makes, he makes minor adjustments throughout the fight to make sure that you're not doing it. But what happens when Errol finds himself behind? What if Errol looks up? Because like, go back and watch the Danny Garcia shit. He did the same shit to Danny Garcia. He jabbed him to fucking death. Because he knew, Danny, all you guys said left hand. Say. I ain't falling for that shit. And I'm never going to put myself in position to take that shit. However, if you're fighting Bud and Bud goes off to a fast start, and now you realize, like, now you got to start the game and you're not running the ball. And that's the crux of your offense. The foundation of your offense is to set up the pass by running the ball. But now you just got to throw. Are you able to throw for eight rounds, seven rounds, six rounds? I don't know. And it, both of them have both said, uh, you know, I'm trying to break my opponent. And Errol does not get enough credit because he breaks his opponents. Everybody that he's fought, Sean talked about this as well. I know Kel Brook, it was like, it's he does little things throughout the fight and it stays very steady. And no matter what you do, like you think you'll get him out of his game or you think you'll hit him and he'll get like mad. Like Terrence always tries to get get back. That's Terrence's thing. You hit Terrence, he coming for you. Errol, you can hit Errol and Errol be like, cool. And he's like, it's a different, I don't know what he's thinking because he's not coming back for it. But yeah. I know I'm going to get this receipt somewhere. And Sean got in, I think the 10th round when he got the counter left. He was like, damn it. But then Errol still stayed within himself and then won the decision. Who's going to be, like, both of their wills are going to get tested. Yep. I'm very curious. Like, neither of them, they don't know how to lose. When you know how to lose, and it's a lot of fighters, when you know how to lose, when you've been stopped or when you've been knocked down, it hasn't happened with either of them. When you know how to lose and somebody puts you in a position to lose, you're like, I've been here before. I don't want to lose, but I know I'm about to lose. I'll fall apart. Right, I'll get desperate. I'll do all the. They don't know how to lose. They don't have a clue. This is not what they do. They have when when both of them have wanted to change things, they've done it, yep. and nobody's been able to stop either one of them at doing what they want to do when that time is right. If Terrence turns it on, and Arrow's just like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, this is magic and bird. Like it's, when it's, you're just yeah yeah. Well, nobody else has ever been on your level, and then. Now you're staring each other in the face. Right. It's just like, and you both going to get busy. That's what's so crazy. Is that like, yo, we're both going to get our shit in. This is- and they honestly have no idea what the end is going to be. No one does. Nobody. Because 
it's almost unfathomable for neither of them to get their shit. Yeah. Like, how do you shut Errol Spence down? You don't. You don't. Like, you're not going to stop him from landing the jab. There's no blueprint. No, like, Spence and a lot of people broken this down on Twitter. Shout out to them and YouTube. He's not as good against southpaws as he is traditional fighters. He leaves himself open to a lot of body punches and different shit against southpaws. When Terrence switches, if he needs to, now what? Yeah. Like, Terrence is going to land. Errol is going to land. This shit is the Super Bowl of boxing for a reason. It was like going into Super Bowl last year. It's like, yo, the Chiefs and the Eagles, no one's defense is going to stop anyone. No. Like, this is going to be a high-scoring game. And we don't know who the winner is going to be, but we know they both going to do they, they thing. And it's going to be the little stuff. Like Kadarius Tony punt return. The yeah. random fumble by Jalen Hurst that gets taken to the crib. It's going to be the smallest of details, but it's still going to be close as hell. Yeah, I, I don't see it being a blowout either way. I've talked to them both about it. If they'd be disappointed if it was a blowout, because like everybody wants this big fight, and you know, both of them like I don't want to work overtime. If I can get them out of there, I will. Yep. But I, neither of them expect it to be easy. Like Floyd used to always say, "There's no blueprint on how to beat," and there's blueprints on how to beat everybody else. Floyd hasn't fought that many. He didn't fight that many undefeated fighters, right? He knew how to beat who he was going to beat because something's happened where they've been beaten. Shane was the one who caught him with that one shot. And he's like, nope, not again. I'm going to shut you out. Robert Guerrero was undefeated. He, just, he was just better, right? Like, he was just better. There's, but there's no blueprint to be Floyd, but there is no blueprint to be Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence. You, of all the fights we've watched, the only things that we've been able to say, like, I, it's like I'm pick, like grabbing at straws trying to find things wrong when people ask me, like, yo, what does Terrence do wrong? He's a slow starter. Is that what you want? Yep. That's all I got for you. He's a slow starter. He can get hit. So what? What's Arrow's issue? Arrow's very methodical. That doesn't necessarily mean he's strong. He's like, once he gets something, he's going to sit on it and he's going to use it. And it may not be very... Neither of them are in boring fights. No. But it may be one of those things like... Arrow, some people may say is boring if he dominates someone. The Mikey, again, the Mikey Garcia, Danny Garcia fights where he was like, I got this and I'm just going to do this and I'm going to run the score up on you. The Ugas fight wasn't boring. No, I just, mean, the man breaks people horrible. Yo, he, he can't do that anymore. He boring. broke Ugas. Like, people, Ugas was good. He beat Pacquiao pretty handily. Yeah. Errol got in the ring and just beat the shit out of him. Jabbed him. What, like the Kell Brook fight? Kell was in that fight early, but you could see it happening. Like, as the rounds are going on, you see how strong Errol is. It's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't give Errol credit for. That man had paper mache eye socket. Yeah, I know. But Errol's so, he's strong. Yeah. He's very strong in his physical. He's big. He's big in his physical presence and the way he cuts off the ring is underrated. It's very underrated. Like once he has you somewhere, if he doesn't want you to get out of there, you won't get out of there. Yeah. Mikey Garcia is like, go ahead, you can serve a lot. I'm just going to keep jabbing you to death. But with Ugas, he was like, I'm going to work this body. And then when we get to these ropes, you ain't getting out of here. Yeah. And he'll pin you and he'll do that. Terrence is just different. Terrence ain't going to let you get your shit off. You gonna keep trying that shit? I'm gonna beat you. That's it. We're just gonna turn it in a firefight. You wanna pin me? We just yeah. Swim. And I can hit. I'm meaner than you. I hit yeah. harder than you. I do. Like Terrence is just like you can't outwill me. You can't. Terrence is stronger. He's the stronger of the two. He's physically strong. Physically he's stronger. Surprisingly strong for. He's a lot like of deadlifting, six hundo, squatting, 
like 420. Yeah. He's strong. And he's country strong on top of that. But he's strong. Like weight room strong. So people be like, oh, he's a smaller guy. But he's strong. He's a he's, he's a strong very as strong an arrow. Fight. You put them both in the weight room, be like, yo, let's just start loading plates. Butt is coming out on top on every lift. And dog, uh, anybody who has a half an afro in 2023 and just wears it and doesn't care, that's a dangerous man. The man wears boxers, not boxer briefs. <laughs> he weighs in, you guys will watch this on it. He weighs in with boxers. Yeah. Paper joints. Like you in the pen. Yeah. I don't even know where to buy those anymore. I don't know, man. Like it's 92. He's different. With the with the stripes down the side. He's he's nah, fam. I ain't fighting nobody that still wear boxers. It, wide man. wide leg boxers. It is crazy. It, it, this fight it is it's so hard to pick. And I'm just all What's I want to What's the see- prediction? Are you sticking with the same prediction you gave yes. on sporting? Yes. You're you're in. I'm 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 all in on Spence. Um I think Terrence falling behind could become problematic if he can't have his way in the middle round. I think there will be a firefight, but if he can't break Spence when he needs to break him and he finds himself down a few rounds and Spence just makes those minor adjustments, Spence can win a really exciting decision where people will say, well, Bud was coming on strong late. I could see that happening. I, I want to pick Bud and I've, I've, I've looked at like, look at this, this run through the welterweight division and I hate doing this because it's like it doesn't really matter because the level of opposition is not the same it's not yeah but he did what he had to do to everybody that he had to do it to stopped every single one he went out there and he was like Jeff Horn oh Jeff Horn's been beat the shit out he went there and he beat the shit out of Jeff Horn he went out there and he beat the shit like he just beats the shit out of people everybody at welterweight like Benavidez beat the shit out of him like he just Kel Brook hi beat the shit out of him Amir Khan you ain't shit just he just beats on you. I just, the only, I just looked at it as like, man, he's had his way. Everybody he turns up and beats the shit out of, they just fall apart. Yeah. If Errol's still there, then things get real interesting. So I think if Errol can get up a few rounds, if he, he started off like Dave, with the David Avenesian fight, it's because he knew like he ain't doing shit. Yeah. I'm just going to run him out the building real quick. Yeah. We ain't going to waste any time. He's just here for the paycheck. But he won't, I don't think he'll do that. He's going to download information with Spence and he'll turn it on and he'll get Spence. There's going to be a moment in that fight yeah. where he's going to hit Arrow with something and people are going to, ooh. You can only download for someone. Yeah, he's going to hit him. It's going to happen. He's going to catch him. It's just a matter of if Arrow's up, if, it does, if, if he's still within himself and it's still, oh, he ain't, he ain't gone yet, then it becomes like this fight. It might be even for the rest of the fight, but Arrow's banked these two rounds. So it could be like 116, 112, 115, 113. So I'm going to go with Arrow, but I ain't saying it with a lot of confidence. Can't say anything in this fight with a lot of confidence. Nah, um, it's been tough because I've seen Arrow. Arrow looks good in terms of Arrow. And he's a big dude. That's Very. why I'm picking against him. I think I'm sticking with my prediction of Bud stops him 11th or 12th. And it's, it's hard for me to picture Arrow getting stopped. I know. Because he's so big, he's so tough. But when I download all the info, when I see Arrow against Southpaws and I expect Bud to fight more Southpaw than anything, when I see Arrow fall asleep sometimes against a guy like Ugas and get caught. Now, he didn't do it against Danny and Mikey. But then 
I have to take into account everything when you're this great. Right. And we're splitting hairs. Errol had major surgery. Yeah. He got into a major accident on his face, his like his body went through trauma. His he couldn't fight Pacquiao for a reason. Cause his eye physically wasn't cleared. He had to have a whole nother surgery. Errol had to get all these surgeries because of a car accident. Errol speaks very openly right. of not training correctly outside of camp, of drinking leading to this car accident, yep. changing his habits, changing his life. That's cool. But when you're splitting hairs, Bud's never waned on any of that. Yeah, every inch counts. He's been focused the entire time. You're talking about mileage and him getting touched. Yeah, but he hasn't had reconstructive surgery. Errol put mileage on himself that was unnecessary. And then above that, even then, above that, he's unnaturally cutting weight to a spot where he shouldn't be anymore. So, and we see this in other sports. Yo, if you just fought at 160, the cushion you'd have, the more filling out and everything, it helped the bones, it helped everything, it helped the chin. The stuff that has been reconstructed, you can withstand that a little more. No, now you're cutting 13 pounds. You're taking away the muscle. You're taking away the fat that protects these things to get down to this weight. A lot of times it's where you fight as much as it's who you fight. We see that Roberto Duran back in the day with Leonard and every Wait, you could beat someone at 140. They whoop your ass at 154. I would give Spence the shot at beating Bud at 54 above 47 any day. At 47, when you're cutting, you have to really drain yourself and you're so open in this entire process that this is it. This is my last one. I stayed here for this. My body can't do it. Oh, well, then you're telling me all I need to know because automatically you're not coming in 100%. Well, you say whatever you want, but this cut ain't going to leave you 100%. Like Ryan Garcia Tank, it's going to do something. And it's going to give the other guy this much of an edge. I think Bud can stop him at 47. If they had to rematch at 54, it'd be different. Now the skills come into play. The body's a little healthier, everything. Bud gets the decision, in my opinion. Anyway, I think the weight cut is past due. I think it's going to play a bigger role than many people give count. He hasn't been super active. He's had all the surgeries. He stayed at this weight for this one fight, and it's going to be a mistake. I can't argue with, with anything. The only, the only point that I will make is I think a lot of people put way more stock in the surgeries than they should, right? The reason why I say that is, like, if he changed his fighting style because of the surgeries, then I'd say that there's something there, right? There's nothing there. It's like he... He's had two fights since the surgeries. Who knows? Yeah. Um, and one, he got caught by Ugas. Yeah. Who's not a notoriously big puncher. No, but Ugas is a tricky, crafty Cuban who's sharp. Like, it doesn't worry you that that guy doesn't have major punching power, right? He hits Spence clean on the jaw. That was reconstructed. Right. And Spence can't tell the difference between his teeth and his mouthpiece anymore because of the feeling in his jaw. The fact to get hit and your mouthpiece pop out 
I'm not sure. Does that mean you can't bite down the same on your mouthpiece? Well, if you're partial. Because of reconstruction? Well, no. It, he lost he his said, partials. Yeah. yeah. He says now it's, it's permanent and yeah. everything's in there. But that is a big deal when you can't tell the difference that you can't control your jaw to keep shit in your mouth anymore. I mean, fighters don't have teeth all the time. It's, this is, this is. But I'm talking about the strength to not control your jaw yeah. and realize whether your mouth opened enough to lose a mouthpiece or your mouth opened enough to lose your whole bottom grill. Like you are unaware of the feeling yeah. that you have in your jaw. It's frightening. I don't, I don't find that much of a concern. He had partials. It happens. People that have dentures, it happens. He had partials. People that have dentures don't get punched in the mouth unless they're around Conor McGregor. <laughs> but, like, but I think, again, I think a lot of people with a lot of stock in it because we're all looking for something to give somebody yeah, an edge. Just, yeah, just a tiny bit of But I think, I don't think that's a concern. Like he got his partials knocked out. Now he's in. Now he's got a new mouthpiece. And it's like, well, if anything, he needed to get a new mouthpiece, right? He got a new mouthpiece. Add it on all access. Him getting a new mouthpiece. I'm not concerned with the surge. I'm not concerned with those things. The things that I am concerned with primarily is I know he's got a nutritionist, but how does he handle this weight cut? Because unlike Floyd, Arrow drank, party. He admits to all this. So how difficult does the weight cut become when you're in your 30s? It's not the same as your 20s. No, Ask you Adrian Broner. that belly back in the day. Yeah, it's like. He had a notorious belly. Adrian Broner, Javante, they've all had issues with their weight at some point in their careers. Now, you're being stubborn to stay at 47 because this is the fights that you want. We got to see how that weight cut happens. If he ends up having a good weight cut, which looking at him, he looks like he's had a good weight cut. Being next to him, I was like, he looks like he's had a really good weight cut, which means that he'll balloon up on fight night, not in, he'll, he'll, he'll gain weight. He'll, he's going to probably weigh 10 to 12 pounds, at least more than Terrence. Well, Terrence looks like he cuts like four or five pounds. Yeah, <laughs> Like Terrence, well, Terrence will get like 155, Arrow 165. Yeah, probably somewhere around there. That's the only thing I'm really concerned with because... 18 pounds is a lot. I just wonder how it affects the gas tank. So my, my main yeah. concern is, again, you have to dig deep. If Terrence comes at you, because you're going to have to do something. Like we just talked about Inouye and Fulton. Fulton had nothing for Inouye to back him off. Errol's going to have to have something because that moment's going to come when Terrence is coming for you. Yeah, that stick ain't going to be enough at a certain point. No, you're going to have to throw something. You're going to have to make Bug go, whoa, whoa, okay, got mm -hmm. you. I got you. Fulton couldn't do that anyway. At a certain point, Fulton was just like, fuck, I'm not even going to throw punches because yeah. I can't do nothing. And as soon as he opened out up, which was the seventh round, and people were like, oh, he won this round. He started throwing combos. Anyway, it was like, Got him. Yeah, I, as I got soon him. As he opened up, and then in the eighth, he stopped him because he was like, "Oh, he opened up finally." Feels good. Feels good. Now you're throwing punches. Yeah. Now, now the fight's different for you, right? Yeah. Let's made change him that. He <laughs> made him falsely confident. Yes, yeah, like Terrence. Well, if he hits Arrow and Arrow starts to move, or Arrow's gas tank starts to give up on him, he's going to be in trouble with the gas tank. The only other thing that's very important in this fight are the corners. Derek James, I think, is so underrated as a trainer. I think miking up the corners for this fight and releasing that as a video of its own might be one of the most fascinating things to listen to these two oh corners. Oh, God. Derek James, Bomack. Like, listen to these two corners because Bomack, I don't, he doesn't get enough credit as a trainer, but Bomack also knows that much of his training has to do with, here's what I say. I hope you see it too. Let's make this adjustment. Yep. You already know what to do, but I want to let you know, again, you're losing. I'm losing. Yeah. Fix it. That's all you got to tell me, boss. Derek's a little bit different. <laughs> Derek would be like, yo, he is 
Stop circling to your left. He's hitting you with that punch. I know you fucking see it. Don't you come back here three minutes later getting hit with that same fucking punch. Yep. And Errol's like, all right, boss. Both of their trainers are going to have to see things that the other fighter is not necessarily used to seeing on fight night. And they're going to have to tell their fighter and make sure their fighter is responsive to, hey, man, Terrence is switching when you come in to go to that body. He's setting you up for this counter. Because the one thing that Errol does, when he goes to the body, he winds up with his right hand. And if Terrence is smart, it's easier said than done. It looks different you know, when you're in there. But if he counters with an uppercut, it changes everything. Yep. If he's fast enough to do it, and if he can see that opening. Derek James is going to be his job to be like setting you up. You might not see it because you're not used to seeing it. Bomax, same way. He's setting you up to walk you down. Yep. You're going to have to make an adjustment. If those two corners do that, it's going to be one of the most fascinating quarters because, again, it's going to be like the cookout. Yeah. Motherfucker, you better get your ass. Like, these two are going to be yelling at each other because the trainers don't want to lose. Yeah. Bomack and Derek James, were going at, they've been going at each other. Some, they've been talking more shit than the fighters. They, they're serious. They know how big this is. I'm sticking with Spence, but it's just, bro, it, I don't care. I just want a good fight. Yeah. I just want a historic fight where people, air, like, being at Arrows, like, I want my kids, I want kids' kids to talk about my fight with Terrence Crawford. I can't believe it's two days away. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's happening. Yeah, at one point, I was like, Last November, it's a Yeah, it's I was like, happened. I mean, this shit ain't happening. Then when I started hearing that it was bubbling, like, I started hearing through people. Ryan and Tang fight. Yep. Changed everything. Well, I started hearing about it, like, right before that. Yep. And it was like very much like, yeah, we're, we're there, right? Like there's just, there's just a couple things, but we were there last month and it didn't happen. But we're, we're here now. And I think the things that were wrong then are good now. And the fact that we got this fight and it's just two days away is like, holy shit. I am, this, this is what this podcast is. Yes. This kind of a fight. Two black fighters putting it all on the line to be the best in the world of what they do. And who better to tell their story than us? Exactly. I can't believe this. Oh man, no, it's going to be exciting. Can't wait to come back next week and recap everything. I got butterflies just talking about this damn fight. I'm, I'm be so stressing in the, in the arena. Stressing. Yo, I've been, I've been getting a gander at like the, the guest list and the people that asked for tickets. Oh my God. Everybody's coming to this fight. Lord knows where they're going to put us as media. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not there's, there's a very, I haven't seen the seating chart yet. Like, I've been sorry. There was like, dude, like. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's. I understand. Yeah, it's like, if you don't, like, if you don't need to be on the floor or close to the floor, because I don't know if they're doing the elevated thing, which I think they're doing again. They try to sell all them to them Take seats. It, yeah. they, dude, there's a seat that's like $27,000 on the market right now. 27 G's to see this. It ain't Mayweather Pacquiao, but fuck, man, this is big. Yeah, and you know what? Good for them. Great for them. It, it happened, and people wanted it years ago. Like Mayweather said, it happened at the right time. Yeah. Mayweather, it happened at the right time for him because he was still on this game. And he was 275 like, guaranteed. Yeah, I'm going to fuck Pacquiao up. Money-wise, it happened at the right time 275. Yeah, for these two, it's, it's happening. Perfect storm for them financially and just bubbling up. And Legacy. It happened in the best year of boxing we can remember. So it's, it's only getting better. Too. Here's one question. We can leave it on. I asked this to Freddie Roach today. The winner of this fight, where are they on the greatest all-time welterweight? Like the greatest. So you have Sugar Ray Leonard, you have Donald Curry, you have Floyd, you have uh, Sugar Ray Robinson for the time that he spent there. Yeah. I still think of him like 54. I know. So it's like, 
me and Freddie saw about this. Who is the great, like, he was like the winner of undoubtedly his top five all the time. Undoubtedly. There's no well, question the winner yeah. is top five. But how far up are they? Freddie says the man to be is still Sugar Ray Leonard. He didn't have Floyd in his top two. Like, he tried to put Duran there, and then he was like, well, Duran was better as a lightweight. And yeah. I was like, yes, he was a monster at lightweight. Welterweight, he was, eh, he was good. He was still good, but yeah. he wasn't the same. He's good as welterweight because they split. Right. But at 47 pounds. He arguably beat the best if that's Freddie's best. At 147 pounds, like Donald Curry was a welterweight that smoked everybody. Donald Curry didn't have a Terrence Crawford. No. Right? Errol Spence is a career 147 pounds. And if he goes out there and beats Terrence Crawford, 147. Like Leonard lost at a lower weight class. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that he's better than Sugar Ray Leonard, but I'm saying we're, we're in, in goat watch now. Like we're looking at the greatest 147 pounders of all time. Like two of them are fighting right now. They're both top 10 already. Yeah. They're both top 10. I'd say they'd got to do it twice to even surprise Leonard. I mean, because it's Leonard and it's Floyd, right? Like, and a lot of people are like, ah, Floyd's, Floyd's the greatest 147 pounder ever. I mean, is he? Cause, yeah, at, at 147, he's the greatest ever. Because people, again, people look at him at 35, I was like, that was a better version of Floyd. Depends on what your, what your taste is. Pretty boy beat the hell out of people. Well, here's the question. But qu- the resume of names? Well, that's the. That's came the, at 47. But they, here's the issue. Who did Floyd fight that was at the peak of his powers at 47? Not the peak, but they weren't geriatric. No, 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 they weren't. But I'm, but I'm saying Spence and Crawford are at the peak of their powers fighting Yeah, but you, you have Mosley. Mosley was on a tear. Mosley, no, Mosley had already lost five fights. But he, Vernon he, Forrest had kicked his ass okay, twice. Okay, but he was like picking up steam. That was a good beat, fight for him. He beat Margarito after yeah, Margarito got caught. The, yeah, the past. But Shane wasn't Shane. Right? Like Shane like Shane wasn't Shane when he fought Floyd. He wasn't so even he close. Delahoya, Shane. He has Maidana, Ortiz, Berto, Ortiz, he knocked out Ortiz. Canelo. Canelo is a catch weight. That's what I'm saying. Like if you go to like I don't forty seven Floyd, like I don't know. Floyd's really good at forty. Because you could say the same thing about Manny through forty seven. But no one like tests and Floyd B. Manny at 47. Right. But it wasn't the same Manny. It's like. The but fact- no one got close to Floyd. No. At no, 47. I That's agree. tough. I, I agree. That, but my only issue is like I'm looking at the two undefeated best fighters in the world fighting each other. The winner has to get something. Yeah. Because these two, it's not like, like Errol said, I didn't inherit none of these belts. Every belt I took from somebody. <laughs> that's, that's, man. No disrespect to Devin Haney, but you collected them off of one person. One guy. Like, and it was a perfect story. Errol went out there and, I mean, you know, strap season, knocking down them doors. Like, he, hey, you home? I'm coming to rob you. That's what Errol did to everybody he fought. Yeah, that belt, that belt t-shirt is fire. It is. And Terrence, uh, you know. He, he beat Marquez. Marquez was so small. He had no business at 47. At 47. No, Marquez, was, Marquez jumped up two weight classes for that fight. shit out of Ricky Hatton at 47. How good was Ricky Hatton? That's a pretty good win. Yeah, but how good? It, like, in retrospect, nobody saw Ricky Hatton, one of the greatest world's ways off. These two are fighting each other I mean, now. Dan fought at a catchweight for the 54 yeah. title? Yes. I still count that at 47. Um, beat up Zab Judah at 47. Zab was, he had already lost to Katsuzu. He wasn't the same Zab. 
And then Gotti was at 40. So, and again, you know, so Zab, not- Zab was the start of the 47 run. Zab on. I'm not saying like like some people are going to say that I'm like trying to pick apart Floyd's legacy. That's not no. what I'm trying to do. What no. I'm saying is when you have two guys who are undefeated at the peak of their powers in their prime years, showing no signs of slowing down, they're fighting each other. The winner's got to get something out of that. How about this? If Spence wins, he jumps them all. Maybe now he has a he has hard. a conversation to jump them all. He has a conversation because the way he collected the belts, the resume, everyone on there. Um, Bud, who was one of the best of a generation, he was a former undisputed champion, arguably the number one pound for pound guy in the world right now. Spence beats him. It's Spence, Leonard, Floyd all time at welterweight. You can argue whichever way you want, but at just welterweight, it's probably Arrow. He spent his entire career there notching names. Everyone else's wins fluctuate, right? So Arrow might have that. Bud's resume at 47? Is not enough, I don't think. Not, even with Errol. Yeah, not as deep. Like Sugar Ray Leonard is the bar, right? Because yeah. at 47, he was just a monster. <laughs> but it's just like, yo, if Errol wins, I'm not saying he's number one. I'm just saying we got to really think about this. Yeah, let's see. Duran beat him at Welter. Then he came back, beat Duran at Welter. So he has a loss at Welterweight. Correct. Um, which is why I get that. Uh, Wilfredo Benitez, he beat him, knocked him out 15th round at Welter. And it was not as deep as you may think on this. No, it's that was that was my this is what me and Freddie was talking about because I kept bringing up Donald Curry because I'm like, if anybody's never seen Donald Curry, go back and watch Donald Curry fight. He fucked yeah, a lot of people. Larry Burns, but, Larry Bonds. That was a good. Let's 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 leave it at this so we can get out of here because that's tough, man. Oh, sorry, I'm going through. It, it, it's top heavy. Because he beat Duran, he beat Hearns, and he beat Wilfredo all at 47. Great so they're, they're huge it's wins. huge names. They're at huge, all 47, huge, huge but he lost one at 40. Right. So it's like, again, I don't want to disrespect Floyd, but the Spence Crawford winner is arguably better than anybody else's biggest win in this conversation. Arguably. Except for Hearns. Hearns and Leonard, like, Tommy was a fucking killer. He was. Like, he was a fucking murderer. And that's why even with the, the Duran loss, people go, well, look what he did after that. And Wilfredo yeah, Benitez is like, fighters. fuck, man. Like, these guys are really good. But Durant, like, Spence and Crawford, anybody putting their name on their resume. Yeah. It's I, just Spence went through the entire division when everyone was at their peak. Yeah, he just at forty seven. He beat their ass before Terrence. It's did. not like Floyd, where people got old, right? And then beats a top, you know, pound for pound guy. It's just Leonard has three of them, Let, but we, it's drastically thinner, right? After that, after that, three of them. There's three legends on that resume, and the only thing that hurts him is that loss of Durant. Yeah, top right? ten pound for pound guys, and even three. still, when he beats Durant in the rematch. He didn't necessarily, I hate doing this sugar earlier, but it's true. He, he, he schemed to beat him. Did. He beat, he loses Durant, finds out Durant gains a ton of weight, tries to enact the rematch clause, immediately gets Durant to take the rematch. It's his fault. Short of training camp, knew he had to knock that weight off. Isn't that Don King's fault? Yeah. (laughs) Set him off for failure. It was a huge setup for failure. Like, 
the payday this, was this Don, was, Don saw money. Yeah. This was not Peak Duran. Because the Peak Duran beat Sugar Ray. He took every and advantage. Moved up to 54 and got another belt it's after like, Nomas. It's like weight draining a fighter, yeah. right? Like it's exactly what Crawford and Spencer aren't weight draining shit. They're beating up the peak level of each other. I I just, there's a conversation, depending on what happens Saturday night, when we do the show on Tuesday, there may be a conversation that needs Spence to be had. Up. He's up there. I just don't know where he lands. Like me and Freddie both agree. Top five? Yes, definitely top five. Yeah. Where? And he's like, ooh, I don't know. And this is Freddie Roach who's watching yeah. a million fights. That's like in pro wrestling being like, who's the best attitude era wrestler? Yeah. It's because it's like we Stone Cold Steve Austin. Right. But you look at Bret Hart and you'd be like, but a lot of his shit happened for the attitude era. It's it's you look at Shawn Michaels. Yep. A lot of that shit happens for the attitude era. Rock is a very small. So like if you're just counting 47, well. Sugar Ray Leonard, like there's stuff before then. Like Mayweather's great, but there's a whole pretty boy section before then. Dude, it's, it's hard. So Spence becomes like the stone cold. Like he is the best of just that. And then we can weigh careers when he goes up to 54, 60. And we can do all 68. that. It's like the same reason you would say Hagler's the greatest middleweight all the time. Because he didn't go anywhere. He's sat at mid- midway. I'll fight all you motherfuckers here. I still think he'd be Leonard. Uh, yeah, I do too. <laughs> so. I, I will always hold on to that. And Hagler, who had a loss before he fought Leonard, like a lot of people forget, he lost like two shitty decisions. They yeah. were awful, but he lost. But Hagler at 60 was like, dude, he was beating the brakes off of people. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be interesting to watch. That's one hell of a conversation. We got to do that more. Like, where do people stand as the best in like a certain yeah, just that weight pocket. class? Just, just, you can't go outside of that pocket. Anything they did above and below doesn't matter. No. We're just talking and about what it here. takes to like catch someone in that moment. Yep. That's so interesting. So, yeah, we'll uh, have plenty to talk about next week. I'm sure we'll open up with boxing again. Yeah. And then we'll do pro wrestling because it's uh, Logan Paul. Yeah, I'll have to do Wednesday, Thursday show remote because I'll be in Dallas for Jake Paul hey. and Nate Diaz. So that's going to be so much fun. So tons, tons, tons of boxing and pro wrestling talk next week. We appreciate you all. Enjoy the fight this weekend. It's a big fight. Feel like it. Uh, get around friends if you're ordering it. Order pizza. Let's make this shit feel like the 90s. Let's make this shit feel like boxing. Make it feel like it's for the culture. Yeah. Before boxing Twitter existed. Like, we've been doing this. Everyone have fun. If you're here in Vegas, hit us up. We're on the strip. We're uh, hanging out. We're at all the events. We appreciate you. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter. Corner Club for Life on Instagram. At Corner Podcast on YouTube and TikTok. Blue Wire Studios. Shout out to everyone here. Thank you for staying a little longer. We appreciate you guys, especially in this traffic. This shit is crazy this weekend getting around Vegas. For myself, low man Andreas Hale. Till next time, we're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to buyoptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.